1: This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Wednesday, May 18th. The Cubs drop the finale with the Pittsburgh Pirates, 3-2, to the final at beautiful historic Wrigley Field, but the Cubs do take. Two of three, Brendan, and coming off a four-and-two road trip against Arizona and San Diego. Uh, nice to see the Cubs win a series at home against the Pirates. We gave them enough flack for dropping that series earlier. In the we year, did. And they avenged that.
2: Yes, they did. Corey, you see this? You see what that patch says What does right that there? say, Brendan? That what says is that in World, reference to? That says World Series 2016. They they won that World who, Series, by the way. Who did The Cubs did. I know. People forget that. People forget that. Just reminding everyone, you know, even after a loss like this.
1: I love when we get into a bit 90 seconds into an episode. We have to. It's always good. If you're listening on the podcast feed, Brendan is wearing, uh, in my best Pat Hughes, a blue Cubs hat (laughs) with a red C and a gold trimmed World Series patch. Beautiful. And yes, as Jack says in our YouTube comments, Jan just missed it at the end there. Mm -hmm. It, it did feel like with the way that they were playing, uh, Brendan, that they, they may have had a comeback in them. This was a a much better series from the Cubs. So we will break all that down. We have a ton of roster movement to get into that. We will touch on. I know Brendan has, uh, some new toys to talk to us about, and I'm going to, I'm Brendan and Brandon is going to be a tough You can do it. Talking about Brandon Hughes, but we are going to talk about him. We'll talk about Christopher Morrell and all the good stuff that we saw in this series, despite the finale loss. Uh, And then we're hoping to be joined by our guy, Ryan Herrera, uh, live from the ballpark um, to tell us what he talked about with David Ross and some of the players. Um, And yeah, as Robbie says, uh, Pat and Ron were available uh, with the YouTube broadcast. I, I, I don't really care for a lot of these alternative broadcasts, Brennan. I was at the game, but before I left, I caught like the first inning of the YouTube broadcast. I, I'm, I'm not a fan.
2: I mean, I listen, they're trying to grow the game, make it more accessible. So I understand, but they got to tweak some things. I know we had one comment here about the the cameras flipping to the crowd and back. I share the same sentiment. I was getting a migraine watching this game. The cups are not hitting that well and you are flipping back and forth. So you know, they can, they can optimize some things, but we did have Pat and Ron on. So at least we got that.
1: Yes. Um, and so let's just, uh, let me run through, you know, a reminder, of course, this is the post game for the finale of the series, but Brendan and I, you know, will also be looking more at the series as a whole, touching on kind of everything that we saw. So really quickly, uh, it was nine to nothing in the first game on Monday behind a, just a, a whale of a start from Wade Miley, seven innings, just one hit six strikeouts, no walks, no runs, the Cubs getting their runs in that game, a big grand slam for his 100th, home run of his career for Wilson Contreras on an emotional night for him at Wrigley field in the second game. It was seven to nothing Cubs behind five strong from Keegan Thompson, who picks up his third win of the season, lowers his ERA to 1.41, allowing four hits, no walks and five strikeouts. We are going to of course talk to Brendan about that. Oh, yeah. We also saw the debut for Brandon Hughes in that game, one and two thirds, one walk, but five, Strikeouts for Brandon Hughes, the former outfielder turned pitcher, and the Cubs getting their runs in that one. It was a Jonathan VR, his first home run of the year, and then a big fourth inning for the Cubs: a Seiya Suzuki double, a Frank Schwindel double, a Jonathan VR single, and a I'm reading this very quickly um, a Ildemaro Vargas groundout that brought home a run. The Cubs. score five in the fourth inning and then of course in the bottom of the eighth Christopher Morrell hits a homer in the first at bat of his career that was quite a moment and I'll pause there before getting to the finale Brendan like just multiple good calls the Spanish radio broadcast call for that home run was electric and like nothing to me tops Pat Hughes call in uh, when they eliminate the Cardinals in 2015. That's about as iconic. perfect as it gets. But boy, was his call of the morrell home run uh, really spectacular from Pat Hughes.
2: Oh, unbelievable too. I mean, he does such a good job of, in audio form, like painting the image, right? Yeah. Like that is Pat Hughes' iconic tone. Like in 2015 against Cardinals, I wish you could all be here right now to witness. It's like that type of tone. So- Another beautiful call by Pat Hughes, not surprising whatsoever. And that celebration by Morrell Corey, I mean, wow, like complete, complete energy. Definitely one of those unique players that brings it. um, And you can tell the teammates are gravitating towards him.
1: Yeah, we will touch more on that in a moment. And then on Wednesday tonight, the finale three to two, the Pirates do hold on. If ever so barely, uh, they hold on in this game. And another good start from Drew Smiley. Uh, He takes the loss in this one, only four and a third, but six hits, three runs, one walk and five strikeouts. Um, He he throws 89 pitches and has kind of continued again, not very long starts from Drew Smiley, but he's kept things competitive uh, every night that he has been out there. The Cubs getting their runs in this one, Ian Happ hitting his third home run of the season. And then Frank Schwindel added an RBI single to bring home Seiya Suzuki in the bottom of the fourth inning. Uh, but it was not enough. A Jack Sawinski, a Chicago kid. Uh, there was a, a murmur at Wrigley Field every time he came up. Uh, bit, yeah. I guess some, some friends and family there. But that is the story. So yeah, Brennan, I mean, like, I think all in all, you would have loved to finish off the sweep. Uh, but as we, we've seen some uh, comments that we have on YouTube, if you're watching us on Twitter, head over to YouTube. Uh, if you'd like to comment, that's that's how we can see your comments. And of course, if you're listening on the podcast feed, uh, we also say hello to you as well. But we have some some comments on, on the YouTube chat, you know, that Yeah, they lost the game tonight, but after outscoring the Pirates 16 to nothing in the first two games, shutting them out in back-to-back games, nice to see at least a competitive effort tonight. You felt like they could win the game, would have liked the sweep, but all in all, over the last week and a half here, going back to that road trip and at least starting this homestand, the Cubs are playing a better brand of baseball.
2: They are. Frank Schwindel is playing better. The at-bats are of higher quality. Seiya is getting back into a groove, uh, has a nice on-base streak going in double digits, a hitting streak going that's approaching double digits, and the overall vibe just feels a little bit more consistent. Of course, you want to win this third game of the Pirates set, but you have a weaker Reds team uh, coming right up, and if you keep that type of momentum and that type of energy and that type of quality at-bats – Hopefully you can come away from this red series and you keep shipping away at that record to get closer to 500.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, before we get into some of the specifics on the players uh, let's just, let's just cover some of these roster notes um, because there is something I want to mention specifically. So David Robertson uh, activated from the IL. He was warming in the bullpen uh, as I was leaving Wrigley field to get back for this episode of the podcast. So he is back and available, they optioned Mark Leiter Jr. to Iowa, and Michael Hermosillo transferred to the injured list. Uh, but what I'm really looking forward to, looking ahead to this weekend, Brendan, as it relates to the roster updates, Stroman is back. He was back at Wrigley Field. He's going to get back into the rotation. And this weekend, coming off a series win against the Pirates, you know you've won three series in a row. You're going to have Stroman, Hendricks, Steele, Miley for these four games yeah. against Arizona at Wrigley Field. And what I'm Strowman's coming back from the IL. He hasn't pitched in, I think it's over two weeks. So not sure how much length he's going to get or what he's really going to have. He's going to have to work himself back up, but it's nice to see the rotation kind of in its intended form, right? Like we're getting those top three guys and we've seen so much more stability over the last couple of weeks from the rotation in terms of going deeper into games and just the quality of these starts and looking at that group, Right? especially coming off of Justin Steele striking out 10 of these very same Diamondbacks. It's just nice to see. It feels really good going into a series.
2: We talked about this uh, for the past couple of weeks. One of the more disappointing aspects of this season was just the injuries and the inability for the starting staff to showcase its potential early on here. So you do get Stroman back from the COVID. IL. Wade Miley looked good in his last start, relying on that slider a lot. And then Justin Steele showcasing multiple pitch types as was the case with Keegan Thompson in his uh, start against uh, the Pirates here, which we'll talk about. But the starting staff is finally appearing to be more interesting, right? And for me, that was one of the more exciting features of this team, just getting the opportunity to experiment with all these potential starters. And now we finally get to see what it could look like. So against the Diamondbacks here in this four-game set, I'm excited. And then you keep rolling it over with the Reds next week. And, you know, like again my thing is chipping away until you get to 500 quality starts hopefully the bats stay a little bit more consistent i know we had a comment with some uh base running mistakes by frank clean it up on the yeah. base paths and you know it's still somewhat early anything can happen at this point
1: yeah, I think as uh, I, I see our, our good friend Cody Del Mendo in the in the chat, and I think he always says, don't let me talk myself into, right? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And, you know, you watch the Cubs the last couple of weeks, like don't let me talk um, myself I, into this team, like
2: messing around a little bit, right? Well, you know, you won't admit it, Corey, but I, I know like deep down, like deep down, you kind of have that little optimism, right? I am, like, a,
1: uh, I am a consummate. Homer uh for the Chicago Cubs. So the little littlest bit of hope I will lean fully into. Uh, but yeah, I mean, gonna need to see this kind of consistency against teams that aren't the pirates. But uh look, they're they're playing better baseball. And I think as I discussed, uh, you know, I was with uh Luke Stuckmeyer and Andy Mazur, uh to start this series on Monday. And, you know, we just kind of talked about how that Dodgers series and the White Sox series in that period felt like a real low and and probably below where this team should be and are they going to win every series in a row like they are right now probably not but I think we came into the season not necessarily expecting an elite team but a more competitive team and I think you're seeing the pieces to that right and that's kind of why I bring up the rotation that's going to start this series against Arizona because you look at that group and like, yeah, at times they, they had a good showing on Monday and Tuesday, but we've certainly seen this team struggle on offense plenty, right? Scoring two Definitely. three yeah. or fewer runs on a, in a lot of these games, more than we would like. But when you look at that rotation, you're like, this is a group that should be able to win some games. They're going to keep so. them in the game. If yeah. the offense can kind of get it together, They they should be more competitive than that long stretch of losing that we saw.
2: Yeah, I think so. The The question mark has been that, that offense because the assumption, at least from our end, I think it's fair, was that the bullpen was going to be stable. And so far, it has been stable. You saw Robertson come back and look like he did not lose a step whatsoever in that third game against Pittsburgh tonight. And with the rotation, Miley, right out of the gate, looks exactly like the guy that the Cubs projected yeah. to be when they acquired him. And then, again, getting the positive development at a pace that I think is faster than I expected with Justin Steele and those multiple pitch types, it's a little optimistic. Not in the sense that, okay, you know, the Cubs are back. They're going to be this winnable team and go right back into competitiveness. Maybe that is the case, but if not, at least you have an idea of what some of these starting pitchers can do and, you know, that's really valuable when you try to project what the team and roster can look like in July. And it might kind of uh, influence what you want to do with calling up, let's say Caleb Killian, or, you know, even trading someone like Wade Miley at the trade deadline as well for value. So there is a lot of importance beyond just wins and losses when it comes to this rotation.
1: Yeah. Uh, Let's do you, you tell me which starting pitcher you'd like to, I want to do Keegan Thompson first. All right. Dig into Keegan Thompson. So five innings, On Tuesday, he does get that start, four hits, five strikeouts, no walks, picks up his third win of the season, and he does all of that on 65 pitches. So tell me what you want about Keegan Thompson.
2: The theme of Keegan Thompson's start, Corey, was his changeup. He threw five total pitch types in his start. And of those 65 pitches, as you just said, he threw nine changeups. That is the highest one-game changeup frequency of his entire career. And he got a strikeout on the pitch. He induced four swings on that pitch, did not get hit hard on the changeup whatsoever. And then he rounded out his entire repertoire with equal amounts of four-seam fastballs. He threw 22 four-seams, 20 cutters, and then 13 curveballs. And he did, this might be a a stack cast misclassification, but he did throw one sinker. Again, all totaling the the five pitch types. And we've talked about this. Keegan Thompson's value as a multi-inning reliever is obvious. And his value as a starting pitcher, if he were to only throw, let's say two or three pitches, is kind of hard to project. But if he's able to use another secondary pitch, especially one that moves the other way off of his fastball, then the likelihood he can get through the order more than two times goes up. That's just what the projection models say. And the reality is his fastball has a lot of life on it too. So the changeup, if there is some type of tweak, and it's hard to say because the data is still such a small sample size, but if they found something with this changeup and the velocity separation from his changeup to his fastball is pretty good, you know, then the conversation does change. And I know you and I were thinking, Keep Keegan Thompson where he is. Everything looks really good, but that's under the assumption that his repertoire stays static and it it has not. So, as a result, you have to change what your opinions are. And again, for me, you know, when I'm trying to pick between Steele and Thompson, I've always leaned towards Steele because he showed in years past and more recently the ability to have success with sinkers, sliders, curves. He does throw a few changeups and a four-seam fastball, and he he's used those five pitch types more often than Keegan Thompson. So for me, it was always okay. Let's give Steele the opportunity based on that. But if Keegan Thompson keeps doing this, then the conversation does change, and the the debate, if you will, might change as well.
1: Yeah. That changeup looked really good. And yeah. I, you know, when we, we found out that he was going to start that game when uh, Luke and Andy and I were doing the post game, uh, when Ryan Herrera tweeted that out and, you know, we talked about that. We've talked about their roles and all that stuff kind of relentlessly and we're going to keep talking about it. But I think the, the benefit of this season, you know, that's one of those things you want to find out. And of course you don't want guys to get hurt. You don't want guys going on the IL, et cetera, but those opportunities do afford the team, the ability to look at Keegan Thompson and say, Hey, we need somebody to start this game. You're getting more stretched out. Go for it. Let's see what you yeah. have. And he turned in a great outing. Of course it was against the pirates, but like, you know, whatever you, you, you pitch against the team that you, you pitch against yeah. and the stuff looked good. And it certainly lines up with the performance that he's had uh, in any other role as well, regardless of who the team he's been facing. So exactly. I think as long as you're figuring stuff out, right, it doesn't really matter to me what their roles are, as long as you're learning as much as you can. And if you come away with the conclusion, like, yeah, you know what? Keegan was an elite weapon out of the bullpen going two or three innings at a time, but we got him a few starts and he pushed through them and did really well. Great. exactly. I, you know, right. It, it doesn't yeah. matter to any of us. Right. Right. Like, yeah, as Jack says in the chat, he's a great pitching weapon. And I referred to him a week ago as an out-getter, right? Not a starter, not a reliever. It doesn't matter. He's an out-getter. And I think David Ross said that going into that start, that it's like, look, go out there, get get the outs, get outs. you know? And it's, as long as you're looking good, we'll keep doing that. And we have a plan behind you for when we need it.
2: Exactly. And
1: you don't need to make a decision on May 18th of 2021 what Keegan's role is going to be uh, excuse me 2022 i'm um, i don't, i don't even know what year it is you guys what day is it yeah i know <laughs> um i think it's wednesday is it? um <laughs> like it doesn't matter on may 18th of 2022 for 2023 right you have yep. a long season here. There's going to be opportunities, and you know some guys are going to get back. Alec Mills is close to returning. You hope that Adbert Alzali is able to come back at some point. So the, the starts may be limited. The opportunities may change. That's going to be up to them to manage. But as long as you're trying things out and you can say, okay, Like this guy can pitch for us in some capacity. It doesn't matter to me what those things are. They'll figure that out in due time. But as long as they're having success somewhere, which both Steele and Thompson are to start this season, that's great news.
2: It's great news. And both those guys are going through this, I guess you can call it this like experimental phase for some reason, maybe it's coincidence or not. But again, just the fact that both of them have all of a sudden used a, a new pitch type within a week of each other starts that makes this so much more interesting to follow. And that's what I wanted to see when the season started. And the fact that we weren't able to see it when the season started, it's a little disappointing. And I think a lot of that was just due at least on Steele's end. He just didn't have that fastball. And slider command matched. So as a result, you can't work off of a different pitch type that you're not comfortable with when your dominant pitch types aren't working. You're not comfortable with those pitches either. Okay. So quick break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. Remember that's point, Remember that PointsBet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, Live NBA Same Game Parlay. For the first time ever, build the perfect live same game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And now online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Signing up with the Fastest Sportsbook is now easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. Again, use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points. Bet gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Second break here from our other sponsor, Strava Craft Coffee. Want to start your day with a competitive edge? Strava CBD coffee is a game changer and has helped thousands of people improve their overall wellness and quality of life. Strava delivers delicious, free, uh, fresh roasted specialty coffee infused with organic, broad spectrum CBD. CBD from hemp does not make you hung- high or hungry, but it does offer real benefits that can help you feel alert and focused without the jitters. Plus, including CBD in your daily routine can even help you enjoy more restful sleep so you wake up feeling your best. The best part, Strava is all about quality. Everything is small batch, fresh and shipped straight to your door. CHGO listeners can save 25% off their entire purchase when you use code CHGO25. That's 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com when you use code CHGO25 at checkout. Discount coupon valid on non-subscription purchases only, one use per customer. If you already love Strava, subscribe and save with the Strava Coffee Club. With Strava, you're in control. Save on your favorite coffees and have them automatically delivered to your home or office on your preferred schedule.
1: All right, Brendan. So uh, let's get into Brandon Hughes. I want to hear you talk about Brandon Hughes. You've got a, a new toy here in the bullpen. We've heard you break down Scott Efross and the stuff that he's doing and, you know, kind of how nasty he's been, but what a story for Brandon Hughes, uh, a guy who has only been a pitcher for a few years. He was drafted as an outfielder, unfortunately out of Michigan State, but we don't have to really get too much into that. I, I was saying to a um, friend of the podcast, Jeff Everson at the game tonight, that I really need Jordan Wogu to, get up here soon to kind of counterbalance that I can live with a a Spartan as long as we have a Wolverine on the team. Um, but I mean, what a debut, I mean, his family in attendance, he strikes out five batters, the walk he issued the, the pitch, you know, they, they shouldn't have rung him up, but like they, they could have, it was close enough outside that they could have just made it, uh, you know, so that he didn't have that walk on the line, but Tell me, tell me what you're looking at, because this was one of those debuts where he may not have been immediately on everybody's radar, um, in terms of like prospect status or anything like that, but it has been a a, a significant amount of time since Brandon has given up a run, uh, prior to coming up to the MLB level.
2: Yeah. I think what stands out is that unique delivery right? So you look at him right away and you think, okay, that looks different. And it's hard to, with this limited data, compare him to any type of reference points, but you can tell the type of whiffs he induces from his slider appear unique. And so when I'm looking at, as these types of appearances continue, hopefully they do continue at Wrigley. I know there might be a roster crunch here as rosters uh, tend to change with the IEL guys coming back and the roster crunch is a real thing. Uh, but if he does stay up here, we'll be able to get that type of data and compare, let's say, horizontal break or vertical break and the velocity separation from his fastball in a bigger sample. And then we can make these types, uh, this, these types of projections and try to project what type of value he can bring. But just looking at him, in one outing and looking at how the opposing batters swing at those pitches, they're off balance right, right away. And so I suspect that once we get more data and once we can compare him to other pitchers, his stuff is going to stand out. And I think the the most unique feature of his game probably will be that release point. There's one pitcher that he reminds me of, but I can't figure it out, figure out who it is yet. So I have to keep watching it to get that uh, comparison you know jogged in my mind but he looks unorthodox and for relievers that's what you want to see you want to see some type of unorthodox weird type of delivery coming into the game even if you're if, even if your stuff doesn't play up and maybe his stuff doesn't play up and that's the delivery that's going to make him good but i'm thinking in a situation let's say you're in the fifth sixth inning seventh inning If you bring in like Brandon Hughes followed by Scott Efros, right away you're using two relievers with some of the more unique release points in the league. Not many teams can can do that. And then you bring in, for example, Rowan Wick the following inning. Rowan has that straight over-the-top release point with that hammer spike curve. These are really different vantage points for, for batters. And this is what the Rays do exceptionally well. I remember, I believe it was the Pitching Ninja... Uh, Last year or the year before, he overlaid the Tampa Bay bullpen, and he had release points from here, you know, down by the hip, all over the place. And I, I suspect, you know, we don't have the data, and we won't be able to, you know, say this with confidence. But I do suspect that the more of those pitchers, the unique pitchers with those release points, you throw um, from the same bullpen in one game or one series, the harder it is for batters to get comfortable, and maybe as a result those different pitchers benefit from one another due to that drastically different release point. So that's what I'm honing in on with Brandon Hughes as these games continue to progress. I want to see how that release point and how that stuff plays up against the rest of the league. And I think it will be interesting how David Ross uses them in combination with the other uh, unique guys on this uh, on, on this bullpen.
1: Do you think that that's something that this pitching infrastructure, um, you know, with Craig Breslow and Tommy Hadovy and all those guys, are, are they... Working with some of these guys to develop some of those unorthodox deliveries, or is it, you know, because you look at EFROS and now Hughes, or is that just a product of this is how this guy gets results and they just happen to be coming up in the same system at the same time?
2: I think it's all contextual. So it depends on what that pitcher can bring at the start. We you know for EFROS, you didn't have that type of de- release point in the past. So it's been a work in progress um, over time with brandon hughes you know he's a position player a few years ago so it's hard to even say what he was like before then he didn't make a comment uh i forgot who he made this comment to but he said teach me as if i'm eight years old just to paraphrase so that was the foundation um, that he worked with was a novice type mindset now to your actual question do these does a pitching infrastructure change the release points of these guys i i i that's that's very difficult to do with comfort for professional baseball players. I imagine uh, from reading and talking to coaches in the league, the changes they tend to make are to pitch grips and to uh, wrist angle, which also correlate to release point. So, for example, if you have uh, let's say you have a low release point, if you can change your wrist angle of that pitch, you can sustain your release point, your comfort zone, but that pitch is going to move more favorably in the window of that release point and one example is marcus Strowman, who has one of the lowest release points in major league baseball and as a result his slider path is very very flat which is which is good for some pitchers um especially for marcus when you're trying to get a lot of horizontal break so that's one example so to your point if you look at brandon hughes because he has that lower release point maybe the thinking is okay let's change that wrist angle or that grip to let that pitch play off of that natural release point. And maybe in some cases we don't know, but maybe in some cases they do change their release point. But my thinking is that tends to be more difficult because of that muscle memory um, that a lot of these guys have. That makes sense. But
1: yeah, I mean, you know, looking at the pitching and, you know, obviously there's some stuff to talk about on offense and uh, with the position players, but part of what we've talked about this whole time is how important this year can be developmentally and what we can see from guys and things like that. And this series isn't unique uh, in terms of some of this stuff, but you look at the, the, the contributions that you've gotten from younger guys who are under team control and who have been developed by this system just in these three games against the Pirates, right? You got two scoreless innings uh, from Michael Rucker You got five shutout starting innings uh, from Keegan Thompson. You got one and two thirds of shutout baseball, no hits, five strikeouts from Brandon Hughes. You got two scoreless innings from Mark Leiter Jr. in that game as well. And then you come over to Wednesday night. You got two thirds of scoreless pitching from Scott Efros. You got a scoreless inning from Rowan Wick. Like guys, like, and, and you look, you listen to, you know, some of the, the prospect guys that we've talked to, um, Brian Smith, Greg Huss, uh, the the Greg over at Northside bound, like there's more coming like Ben Leaper is doing good work. You look at Cam Sanders getting promoted, even though he's starting, like there's some arms coming and, it's just really exciting to obviously like they've also gotten contributions from veterans. You know, Chris Martin was good again tonight. Givens was good again tonight. Um, David Robertson coming back. He's been lights out all season, but to see the amount of names in there, Brendan that are from this system that are getting a shot and they are, taking the opportunity and succeeding. It's, it's hard not to be excited by this. And now some of them, you know, Brandon Hughes has thrown one and two thirds of major league baseball, right? So you you don't want to get carried away, but you look at the stuff, you look at the success he had in the minors and to see these guys coming in, it's, it's hard not to be excited. And yeah, like Nick says in our YouTube comments, like that, that's not even mentioning someone like Caleb Killian who is, is hopefully going to be a starter, but he's at the top of the pack. Right. And we're not, we, we just listed off a bunch of people who are already contributing and it's not the the main guy. Like, so there's a long way to go. It's only may, but when you're seeing all these names contributing to wins and combining for shutouts with other guys, like it's, it's good stuff.
2: It's good stuff. And, to counter that, because we we do see it every now and then, and it is a fair criticism, Dwayne Underwood shut down the Cubs tonight. So he, unfortunately, was not a beneficiary of that pitch lap. Tommy Nance fizzled out last year. There are pitchers who don't grow into their own okay. underneath this Cubs pitch lap. That's not the point. The point is, when you acquire all this talent, some guys are going to work out. Some guys are not going to work out. But you want to get as many types of experiments, I guess, if you will, with these pitchers that you can go in to a bullpen in a season with a Michael Rucker who kind of came out of nowhere. And you can go and maybe change the trajectory of many of these guys' careers, maybe Daniel Norris, who unfortunately just had that injury. That's the point. And you can tell that the encouraging part about this pitching infrastructure that there's no gray area you can see right away within that data and hearing these guys talk what they're doing differently and you can see the success as a result of those changes you said rowan wick what did they do differently with rowan wick they changed his curveball to a spike curveball why did they do that he has an over-the-top release point with natural carry on that four seam so the logic is let's have a curveball that moves in the complete opposite direction on that spin axis and look at him now he's been one of the most uh I guess, stable relievers in the past a couple of years now for the Cubs outside of that injury. And then, of course, as Nick G said here with Caleb Killian, they changed a lot of Caleb's stuff as well before he was acquired, or rather after he was acquired from the Chris Bryant trade. What did they ch- uh, change with Caleb? They changed his curveball grip, and now he's throwing several different pitch types, five different pitch types, and most of those pitches, four of those, at least from uh, – from, people I've talked to you within baseball, the stack has minor league data say they're above average, right? So that's where the pitching infrastructure is coming into value. And the more success stories you get, Corey, that's precedence to the type of pitchers you then continue to try to acquire. Let's say the Cubs do have success with a certain pitcher with a certain release point or the certain pitch type. Well, now that we know that, Pitchers in the past have succeeded based on those same type of features. Let's keep targeting those pitchers. That's that's the benefit about having some of these guys have success. It allows the Cubs to collect more data and then target maybe similar types of pitchers.
1: Yeah, it's when just on, you brought up Rowan Wick, like we're, we're bringing up some, some new faces, some guys that, you know, a lot of the fan base is just getting familiar with. Now, Rowan Wick is not a free agent until 2026. I mean, it's awesome. So I know he's been a part of this team for a few years now, but seeing him back in this elite form where his fastball is sitting in the mid, you know, 95, 96 range. His curveball working that ERA is sparkling, right? Like he's not someone who's in that veteran. Like he's out of here soon group. Like he's here for, for the long haul. Yes. He will almost assuredly be a part of whatever the next great Cubs team looks like. He this will year. almost assuredly be in that back end of that bullpen. Uh, Maybe. is it here right now? Maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody calm down. Um, but uh, it's an interesting question from Eric in the in the YouTube chat. Like Carter Hawkins came over, and how much how much of an effect do you think he's having on this? Obviously, the infrastructure was in place already, but he was coming from organizations that kind of lived by what we're seeing a little bit, right? Developing really? and bringing up guys, not always going out and spending big money. Um, you know, the organizations that Carter was working with. It's, it's not unlike what the Cubs are doing specifically with some of these young guys and bringing in these veterans and and getting them right and things like that. It fits in line with what we're seeing.
2: It does. You can think of the uh, Guardian's success over the years with pitchers who kind of came out of nowhere. You know, Shane Bieber, Mike Clevinger, Carlos Carrasco, even going way back then. Uh, they did target even way or back then, Danny Salazar with that changeup. So. He was around from the ground up, all the way up to the higher executive office as he continued to progress his own career on the type of pitching foundation strategies uh, to to get these guys and turn them into valuable pieces. So, what are the specifics that he's doing with the Cubs that he brought over from Cleveland? You know, we, we don't know yet, but I'm sure the perspectives are valuable. And that was that was one of the concerns or rather wishes that we had when we heard that Theo was stepping down, Jed was taking his spot. You and I wanted these different perspectives in the front office, right? And Carter does seem to fit that role, but that was always in the context of a, of being general. We didn't know exactly what we wanted, but we knew we wanted these different types of perspectives and Carter does bring that. But I think those, those are great questions that um, I hope we get more answers to that, that Eric posed. Like, I don't really know what the specifics are and I would love to hear Tommy Hadovy or Daniel Moskos. Maybe, maybe Moskos is it, right? Like we didn't have Mm -hmm. that type of pitching role last year. And I remember during the offseason, Tommy Hadovy said, you know, Daniel's going to work on pitch design. I'm going to work on the implementation of it. And so it frees Tommy up to do more of the broader work. Well, Daniel can actually work on those fine tuned details. So maybe that is one aspect that Carter brought over. Well,
1: so I think, I think you've done this before, but r- remind everyone like what exactly is meant. So Daniel Moscos came over from the Yankees, I believe. Right. Yeah, Yankees, yep. uh, yeah. Just like me. came over Oh,
0: the... look at that. Um, now you're
1: stuck with me. Ah, uh, stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he came over from the Yankees and his job title is pitch design. Yeah. So what, what does that mean? And like specifically with some of the guys that we've seen, can you kind of apply it to oh, yeah. kind of what we've seen from some of these guys or like a specific example yeah. of what that of might look like?
2: So, I mean, it's obvious. So the, the big example we have right now is Daniel Norris's sweeping, breaking pitch. And so uh Moscow's with the Yankees. He was in charge, I believe, of the AA squad, uh, which was among the best in using these sweeping breaking pitches. And they, I believe they led their respective minor league um, in run prevention. So that was one specific example when he came in. He worked with Daniel Norris to implement that pitch. And then when we were talking about it, I was very intrigued because Norris already has arguably the most unique changeup for a left-handed pitcher in Major League Baseball. So my thinking process was, okay, you know, Norris already has this elite changeup. If this new slider, the sweeping slider is going to be useful, man, that could be really valuable. And so that's the pitch design we're talking about, um, where you take a pitch type that maybe is not optimal. Maybe the pitch type just actually needs to be converted to a different pitch type. Maybe take a slider to a curveball or maybe take... Um, you know, a four seam to a more natural two seam um, grip. We did see like Cody Hoyer before he was injured change his grip on his fastball. I'm, I'm assuming based on his, on his release point. This is before Moskos was hired, but that's the concept where you can get into, I guess, quote unquote, the pitch lab, and then you can work on those pitch grips. You can work on those wrist angles. You can work on those mechanics on a more intimate level while you allow Tommy Hottaby then to, to go about his process in a more broad, uh, general level.
1: Yeah. That makes, I, I do like that. You know, we've talked about so many of these exciting, you know, younger guys. And when I ask a question like that, you go, oh yeah, it's obvious. Daniel Norris. Everybody's thinking about (laughs) Daniel Norris, aren't they?
2: That's what I like. I don't want to like, I feel like Daniel Norris is getting attached to my name over here. And I under, are you kidding? I understand it, but I'm not saying Daniel Norris is gonna be the shutdown pitcher. I'm just pointing out <laughs> he had looked
1: really good. He did, but I'm just yeah.
2: pointing out like this is some this is why you follow this pitch lab because people like Daniel Norris can come out of nowhere. And so that's why I kind of own in on that example, Corey.
1: Uh, That is, that is fair. Uh, We are going to be joined by Ryan Herrera live from Wrigley field in a second here. Uh, Here is Ryan. Uh, I I do, before we, we get to Ryan though, I do want to uh, do one last uh, mention of our lead sponsor points bet. Of course you can use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000 when you sign up. And uh, I I do have uh, my points bet pick of the week. Uh, and it? it is going to be Seiya Suzuki got a hit in the game on Wednesday to extend his hit streak to seven. So I, f- I feel like this is taking a page out of Cody's book and I'm, I'm going to go for eight uh, no. in, in the game on Thursday. Well, I at eight. This Uh-oh. is your, I'm just saying that I, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, you you might've yeah. just jinxed that Corey. I probably did. I'm sorry. saya uh, I was wearing you, his shirt you, on the broadcast on
2: Monday. You can't pick How? a different bet. You have to pick saya Come on. Yeah. You should know better.
1: All right. I'm, I'm not going to bet against the Cubs, so no matter what, the risk is going to be there of of jinxing them. If you want another pick, the Yankees play the Orioles early on Thursday morning. They always beat the Orioles. Jordan Montgomery going for the Yankees. Those are uh, my points bet picks of the week. Again, code CHGO when you sign up. So, hello, Ryan Herrera, live from hello, beautiful, hello. historic Wrigley Field.
0: Historic indeed. You know, the Ivy's out here, Corey, you were here, you know. Um, it's a nice place to, to, to watch a ball game. How what's was, up, the what for me?
2: Really? was it cold still, or what's going on over there? It felt really weird.
0: Like I was weird. on the, like, I felt I was on a weird, I was in the, I was in the field pregame and like, I, I, I was like breathing and then all of a sudden I look and I like, I noticed my breath, but it didn't feel like cold. It, it was like, a very we're weird. We're we're in
1: that area in Chicago where yeah. tonight at the game it was like in the mid 50s, and then I think tomorrow it's supposed to be 85. So
2: yeah. we like, well, it's weather over there.
0: Yeah, and then it rained this morning, so it's like it was like cold after that, but it was also like still humid and stuff. So it was like it was. We're all we're all a weird base. Yeah, yeah it's, but, uh, it's a normal a normal May night at Wrigley Field.
1: So Ryan, how, how are things in the clubhouse? What do, what do you have for us from David Ross and the boys?
0: <laughs> well, uh, it was, it was brief, um, kind of not too much to say about this one. Obviously it was, as not a super exciting game. Um, uh, three to two, uh, not much to talk about how we did. The one thing I kind of wanted to know about was the, the, what happened with Frank at, um, second base. Just yeah. What's. I don't know if you could see on the broadcast or if they showed anything we didn't see. Kind of, I don't know if Willie Harris was just kind of waving him over. Was or, he? I or, mean, that was like uh, the I, I, No, that was. Um, we didn't. We didn't get an answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rossi. Rossi didn't really the know. And then. Nice.
2: I yeah, no, he didn't.
0: He didn't know. And then uh, Frank kind of scooted out of there pretty quickly. So we maybe we could find that out tomorrow. But that, I mean, besides you know, Drew Smiley, um, you know he that like, Ross and him both said it like the first two innings were really good five strikeouts. And then uh, a third inning gets through the first two guys pretty quickly, 10 pitches, I think. And then he, Bryan Hayes almost hits one, like literally rims it. I said it like were, we're playing basket hoops over here. Cause it literally rimmed on the thing and just rolled off. I'm like, I, I I honestly didn't know if that counted as a home run or not until they decided it wasn't a home
1: run. That was hard <laughs> to see. I mean, I was down the first baseline tonight, and I thought it had. I thought it was a home run. I thought it hit the you know the bushes in center field. Yeah. Uh, not until they showed the replay. you are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen that before. Where it sort of yeah, like you said, hits the rim and yeah. out. But uh, I'm curious, like you know, you're, you're back with the team now and going in there, is there, I mean, you know, David Ross seems like a guy to me that plays things pretty like close to the vest and is professional and all of that. But is there a different vibe at all when you talk to him or the clubhouse, just like clearly they're, they're having more success over the last week and a half. The results are better. Does it feel a little different than, you know, when they were kind of dropping every series or are they all just kind of business as usual?
0: Oh, I mean, I, you can definitely feel a, a better environment in there, just a better energy just because, you know, obviously a win is better than the loss. Like, again, like we were kind of in and out of the clubhouse pretty quickly today after a loss, whereas yesterday I felt like we were in there for like two hours. We weren't, yeah. but what it sort of felt like, right? So so there is different energy at, between winning and losing. So just overall, you you definitely get that feeling. And then like even talking to Ross today, you know, I, I after the game I brought up, you know, the – the bullpen again coming in clutch covering a bunch of innings and, and keeping the Cubs in it eight starts talking about like, how that is that's you know the bullpens obviously really good that's also a product of how a product of how well the starting pitching is doing and so uh, Kyle Hendricks is starting San Diego going all the way back but then the last few days you had Wade Miley you had Keegan coming up big Justin Steele on Sunday um uh, but so I mean so even when you have this I think Ian have Said it too after the game. It's kind of the ebbs and flow of the season. You're not going to win every single game, but even when you have this kind of little dud here, a three-two boring game that you lose that you drop, when you're in a successful run like the Cubs have been in the last week and a half, winning three straight series, you can just feel that you know. I mean, it didn't feel like they were like not not down in the dumps. You know, it's like they knew that hey, this is going to happen. You're going to lose the game. You're not going to win all yeah. two. So you pick back up. You learn from that. But you know you've been successful and you can keep kind of building on that. And that's kind of the sense that I. Just you I mean yeah. even before the game, after the game, talking to talking to guys around the clubhouse, I could get that feeling.
2: Did you see Marcus Stroman at all in the clubhouse today? Not
0: today, not today. Not today. We, yeah. uh, we, we saw him yesterday. Um, he didn't really comment on anything, but uh, right. I guess he. You well, know, we got you know today I mean, he scheduled to pitch tomorrow. tomorrow they've yeah. not, acti- they not activated him yet, um, so I you you, know, you can expect a roster move at some point. Um, yeah prior to tomorrow's game, but at least, you know, he's scheduled to go tomorrow. So then we'll, what well, we will see, we will see him tomorrow, but no, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't.
2: Yeah. I was, I was honestly, I was a little surprised like how fast they slotted him into the rotation because uh, I know he hasn't pitched I think till, since like May 1st or something like that. So my yeah. thinking was with COVID, maybe he needs a ramp-up period and maybe that's going to delay when he gets slotted back in. So I'm interested to see if he goes like even more than let's say like 70 pitches uh, just based on that potential fatigue factor.
0: Yeah, I don't know. And that's what you know Ross was talking about just – and he was talking about just in the whole overall, again, starting pitching doing really well his last, his last week and a half. But he was talking about how when Stroman went on the I.L., he was kind of pitching as good as anyone. He had that start against the Brewers on the first. I want to say it was, um, and that was you know the, uh, probably the best start of the season up to that point from any pitcher on the team. Uh, and he goes down, but um, you know it must have been just just being able to. We were surprised. He he kind of said uh, was it yesterday that you could see him pitch in the big leagues, you know, at some uh, real soon. We didn't, soon. <laughs> we didn't know it was gonna be this soon. We didn't know it was gonna be this soon. So right. he must have been, you know, able to be building up on his own and doing things like playing catch and and stuff like that. We'll we'll talk to him yeah. a little bit tomorrow. I'm sure uh, we just kind of see what he's been able to be doing this last, is it ten days now almost? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that's.
2: I got, I got one more question for you and I'll give it back to Corey. Nico Horner, is he in the clubhouse? Did you get to, you get to talk to him? I missed Nico out there a lot. I need <laughs> an update, Ryan. Is he okay? That, How's he doing?
0: That is, that is your shortstop. Uh, you know, we, I, I haven't, I, I've seen him like kind of walking in and out of the clubhouse. I haven't gotten a chance to check. Is he with walking
2: him. with a limp at all? Does he look like he's in good spirits? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can rest easy.
2: i uh, not right. a noticeable limp. He. He does what do you, what do you fine, mean? Not so. noticeable? Is he, there's a is it a little noticeable or what? No, like,
0: I, like if he's walking with a limp, I can't see it. Is what I mean?
2: All right, <laughs> I want to hear. Just, just double check. I,
0: I know that's your guy, Brent. I know that's your guy. Um, I think. That. I mean, I, we haven't gotten a clear like idea of how long he's going to be on
2: the I.L. I don't think. Um, okay. Well, if you can find we talk- for me, that would be great. So uh, <laughs> yeah. <just say> <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll, we'll,
2: we'll, we'll keep in the loop. How about that? Thank you. I appreciate when it.
1: When I think uh, it's, it's a good question on, on the YouTube chat from Stan here. I, I obviously you, you don't know they haven't made the move for Stroman, but do you have an inkling of, who, who they might be looking to send back down? Did you get the sense that morell was only up for this short
0: stint or, or have any idea what their plan might be there? I I really don't know. I mean, I you know, kind of looking at um, one of the guys that I thought maybe could have went down um, for Robertson or not Robertson for Stroman uh, was lighter. And mm-hmm. obviously that would, that move happened for Robertson right. today. Um, I know there's a few guys around, obviously Hughes and Morrell both have, Plenty of options left. There's a couple other guys that have been with the team a little bit longer that have options. Um I I don't know. I mean, like we, you know, Mark Michael Hermosillo just went on the I. L no designation earlier today. That that opened up a 40-man spot. That I mean, mm-hmm. you don't know if that's over so that could happen to something like that may happen to to activates Strom. There's a lot of different things going on that I don't have a clear indication on which way you know Ross's or whoever makes that decision is kind of leaning on who comes up and who goes down i i don't know that if i look at Morrell and and hughes I, I don't know that it's either of them really especially you know Morrell had a couple of good games hughes looked really well at his first outing it, it would be it wouldn't be my expectation that they would get sent down but again i'm not the one in the clubhouse i'm not the one yeah. in charge of the team so uh, of course we'll find that out tomorrow but um yeah i'm not i'm not exactly sure so we'll just you know keep watching
1: I think it's, it's interesting too. And it doesn't have to be those specific guys, but you know, you do see it earlier in in the feed in our, in our YouTube comments. Some folks were talking about, you know, Jonathan VR, um, you know, had some rough defense again on on Wednesday night Um, has obvious, you know, he hit the home run in this series, but that was his first of the year Um, has not been great. Right. He's been pretty, you know, at least so far below replacement level. Um, and not that I'm like sitting here calling for them to DFA him or anything like that, but you, you are going to get to a point in this season where, you know, you want to see what some of these young guys have. You're giving them an opportunity. Morel provided a, an incredible moment, uh, at Wrigley field on, on Tuesday night at, at some point there is a, a bit of a conflict there, right? Like if you have these yeah. veterans who aren't performing, not only just from the fan perspective, but even from a performance perspective, it, it kind of maybe that point isn't on May 18th, but at some point it does get to a, a a level where it's like, what are we doing here? Like why, why put this guy out there every day? If you could try out this 22 year old who electrified the, you know, the whole team in the stadium.
0: Yeah. And I think we've kind of been talking about that all season. It's like, there's so many question marks again, answers that they want to find but there's only so many at bat and so many chances to go around. Uh, I mean, you even look at when Stroman got put on the, on the injured list, like Frank had gone down too. like he was down, he was going down to AAA and then obviously a flat tire didn't let him leave. And he was able to meet the team in San Diego the next day instead. Um, So it's just, when you look, I mean, I, I, when, I'm I'm trying to come up with my own answer in my head. So I'm some Michael Scott. Like, sometimes I start talking and I don't know yeah. where I'm going. It just, it just happens. Var in the in the um, chat, Vargas <laughs> another option. You
2: know, right. Yeah, they, I forgot about Vargas yeah, which, as well. Yeah.
0: Which again, and, and look, I get I got what I was trying to say. I figured it out. Okay. So when you look at that, it's like you you, th- you talk about VR and, and you know, but you also look at guys that have options that are also struggling too, like the Frenchman. Like that was the whole point. Is he was struggling? Right. And they were going to put him down. I I've I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I think Vargas does have options left. Now there's There, there are guys with options out there. Um, I mean, we talked about before Madrigal's injury, would he have been a candidate to go down at some point if, he, if the struggles continue? Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I don't, I don't, again, when it's through, to go back to VR, it's like, I don't see them, I don't see them making a DFA move or any of that stuff to keep up. When they, when they have, the potential options to again send a guy down like they tried to do with Schwindel for a day or just anyone else that they they, they see that's struggling could use that bats at triple A and have the ability to get you know get get option down to triple A to get those at bats and work on things before coming up. Now later on in the season you get to July or something and you start wanting to bring guys up that's a different story and that's where you could see okay like we have might have to start making some some decisions on some of these veterans these older guys that are out of options or whoever whatever they are um but for right now i think i think they're still kind of looking at that option game and seeing how they can use that to obviously keep a lot of these um these guys on the roster that 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 help provide at worst provide some depth depth
1: because like i i look at and you know morel is 22 years old. Right. Like, okay. so, uh, you know, he doesn't have to necessarily stay up th- this whole time, but y- y- you look at like Tuesday and it, it did have a feel, especially with Hughes and then Morel, of it's, it's, it's not the same as like you, you, you think back to like Javi's first homer in Colorado, right? Like those guys are not at the prospect level that Javi was. Javi was okay. supposed to be one of the big guys. He showed up and immediately homered. It was crazy exciting. But like in the journey that we're on with this Cubs team, waiting for the next great Cubs team, Tuesday night did have a little bit of like a, maybe we look back at this night in a few years as, uh you know, one of the kind of nights that, not started at all, but just where the excitement started to percolate a a little bit, right? And you looked at Wilson Contreras' reaction, the dugout's reaction, everybody just so into that. And it it is a tough balance because I I, I totally know what you're saying, and I think that's a likely scenario where they play this option game and at least want to see what some of these veterans have before they make that decision. But Tuesday night was one of those nights that we kind of are – are living for this season, right? Where you're, you're seeing new names, you're seeing guys get opportunities and it's crazy exciting and fun. Even when the team is however many games Mm -hmm. under 500, when you have those moments and I think fans are itching for so much of that so it's it's a tough balance because I can understand where people may be frustrated if the moves tomorrow or as they keep bringing guys you know when Alec Mills comes back whatever it is mm-hmm. if some of these guys go back down because it's it, it's a tough thing to balance because it, it did feel like Tuesday night like I haven't felt that way on Cubs Twitter or at the game or anything pretty much this whole season right really other than like yeah. when Seiya was going off at the beginning of the year like mm-hmm. that had a different feel and I think that's what people are really like leaning into in a year like this.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know the the story I wrote last night go you know all dot That one's actually unlocked, so if you haven't read it, you can. But if you very read
2: good story else, by the way, sh-
0: appreciate it. If you yeah. want to read anything else, you should go subscribe. I appreciate that. yeah that's the best. That's the best uh, encouragement I could have gotten. Wow,
2: wow. Um, Look at
0: that. What was I say? But I, in that story, you know, I kind of compared, and obviously it was a, it was an easy comparison because you compare. Uh, what Morell did yesterday to what Contreras did six years ago, um, and 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 the way I kind of put it is they you know obviously those are the same thing. Both guys first step at bat, you know, you know guys that are on prospect lists. Wilson Contreras obviously a higher a, a prospect at his point in time, but you know prospects that people have taken notice of come up first step at bat, home run, crowd goes crazy, right? In that moment, those are very comparable. Except the rest of the seasons, you know the crowd went crazy for a lot more winning in 2016 at this point, you know, you don't, you don't know if if you see that too much. And so I get what you're saying, Corey is like, you know, they might, it may not, it does feel different because you're not getting that kind of reaction on Twitter, getting that reaction at Wrigley field as often as you did six years ago. But, But I do think at the same time, Wilson Contreras was, like the last of those rookies of, of those prospects kind of coming up and coming to contribute to, to that team. morell is, is into a less maybe not, maybe not even a lesser extent, but um, you know, Hughes isn't as high profile as a rookie, maybe I would say uh, a prospect. Um, but those these guys are the first, you know, you got a lot more guys that are coming up and you got a lot more guys that, that especially this season, if Brandon Davis makes that leap, Caleb Killian makes that leap at some point, which they should, you know, you you might have more you might not have more of those moments of the crowd going crazy for winning but you might have a lot more a few more moments of guys you know of, of, of fans getting going crazy over these prospects that are coming up and having success so um, it is a different situation uh, but like you said it was it, it did the Morel moment did feel like it did six, like those moments did six years ago it's just they may be they may look different throughout this season than than a lot of those kind of moments you got in sixteen.
1: As yeah, far as absolutely. like the crowd going crazy. Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean we we've talked about it. I, I we've all talked about it. Like hopefully there are more to come. When you look through the the levels of the miners and some of the guys that are knocking on the door, um, mm-hmm. this should not be the last debut and hopefully exciting moment that we have, uh, on this Cubs team as we go forward in the season here. Uh, but Ryan, we will let you go. Uh, we're just going to do a quick preview of this Diamondback series coming up this weekend, but we appreciate the insight. Of course, you can find all of Ryan's writing at all chgo.com when you sign up to become a member. And of course, as he said, his most recent article is unlocked. So head over to allchgo.com. follow him at Ryan underscore a underscore Herrera. And you can check him out. Are you? I'm assuming you'll be on post game tomorrow. Yes, yes, I'll be, I'll be around for the rest of the weeks.
0: So, all right. I got that so, guy.
1: yeah, Cody and Luke will have pregame for you on Thursday, and Ryan should be joining on post game, hopefully to start another Cubs uh, winning series. So, thank you,
0: Ryan. All right, good to pleasure see you as you always. always. Take take see you, we will, we will, uh, we will talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. See you later.
1: All right. So just to wrap up here, as we finish here, I uh, just want to do uh, a preview of this diamondback series coming up, uh, which I'm not sure why I'm talking because this is something that Brendan does
2: you steal my uh, segments <laughs> here? What is going on? It's about to like fly to Chicago and punch you in the face. Okay. Ooh,
1: I figured once we get, uh, you know, we, we, Close Ryan's box. We just get you out.
2: Just just do me, you know. Wow. i I'm, I have no comment to that blasphemy <laughs> over here. Okay. Uh, so we have a four-game set uh against there Donovan.
1: it is. Yeah, just <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm not letting you steal my segment. Uh D backs come to Wrigley Field. Uh start time Thursday, stupid start time, 6:40 p.m. Central. Uh Marcus Strowman back on the mound for the Cubs on the years one and three with a 5.13 ERA. Looking really good before COVID hit him, so hopefully he comes back. He can sustain that level of success, but you know we'll see how he has recovered and what his stamina is coming off of that illness. And then Gallon is out there for the Diamondbacks, having a phenomenal year. He's 2-0 at the 1.05 ERA. On Friday afternoon, traditional start time, 1.20 p.m., we have Castellanos out there for the Diamondbacks, 2-1 at the 4.15 ERA. Kyle Hendricks pitching for the Cubs. Looked really good in the past few starts here, 2-3. and 4.03 ERA, starting to see those numbers start to normalize for Kyle, which is great to see. And then on Saturday another afternoon start time, Justin Steele pitching for the Cubs. Steele looked really good the last two starts, uh objectively, I think the, the best two starts of his season. Bumgarner is out there for the Diamondbacks, a uh, grizzly veteran. He's 2-2 two two with a 2.29 ERA on the year. What are you going ugh, for? You hate him that much? For Bumgarner? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's keep it going here. Sunday, 1.20 p.m. start time. Diamondbacks have not announced a starter. Wade Miley will pitch for the Cubs, hoping to continue that success coming off the IEL. He's 1-0 with a two point seven ERA on the season. A lot of things to look for in this four-game set. At the forefront of my mind is Justin Steele. I just want to see that success continue. But even independent from that success, I want to see the pitch utilization continue. I want to see those five pitch types being thrown. I want to see that sinker being used more. This is a good matchup for Justin Steele because Dimebacks have a heavy lefty lineup, which, based on last time, allowed Steele to throw those sinkers up in a left-handed batter. So I had, if I have to project what will happen, we're going to see a very similar pitch Frequency from Justin Steele in the form of a lot of sinkers when he does pitch this week.
1: Yeah, and as Stan said in the YouTube comments, Friday is the unveiling of Fergie Jenkins statue, uh, the newly uh, uh, cool. renovated and, and moved statue row. Um, I've walked past there. Obviously, I walked past there after the game tonight. Uh, is Ronnie it out there? is. So the, the other statues are over there. Uh, Fergie's is covered right now. Uh, they're going to unveil that on Friday. So if you can make it out to that game, that should be a very fun day, uh, in Wrigleyville, celebrating the career of Fergie Jenkins, uh, and the unveiling of, you know, the new statue row where all of them are in front of the, uh, marquee and, you know, the Cubs office building over there. So it looks nice. Um, good to see them all kind of together and back, obviously, um, other than that, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this rotation. I, I know, you know, and we just talked with Ryan, not really sure what the expectation from Stroman is. He's coming back from an illness, how much he was able to stay fresh or loose or, you know, lengthened out is not something that we'll know probably until tomorrow. Uh, so the expectation is at least minimized from what we've seen from him in the past, but just seeing those names for four games, I'm really looking forward to what we can get out of those guys. The The Cubs have been getting deeper starts, uh, more starts of six innings or later from the starting rotation. The starting rotation has been so good, even in these games against the Pirates. You drop the finale, but two runs in one game, shutouts in the other two. Uh, the pitching staff has been really good. But just being able to see Stroman, Hendricks, and Miley with Justin Steele, but specifically those three in the same series, we've been waiting for it, and I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I and I hope they they perform. Uh, yep. To back that up, and that the Cubs are able to to finish off a, a nice two week stretch here, uh, keep winning series, oh, keep winning sweet. games. Yeah, let's let's That'll do that. That would be great. Um, you know, they're they're still more under five hundred than we would like, but you can start chipping away at that. And 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 I think the way the rotation is set up this weekend, how they performed against this same Diamondbacks team in Arizona. I think it bodes well. So hopefully this is a good weekend. Uh, Of course, we appreciate your support for everything going on at CHGO. Podcasts, live shows, every team, every day, post-game shows like you are watching uh, or listening to right now. Uh, Premium written content from Ryan Herrera at allchgo.com. You get a free shirt and access to the members-only Discord when you sign up to become a member. Again, that is at allchgo.com. Luke and Cody will have Cubs pregame for you tomorrow on Thursday. They'll also have postgame for you. And uh, Brendan and I will be back to break things down late Sunday night, uh, early Monday morning in your podcast feed when the Cubs finish up with the Diamondbacks. So thank you for supporting CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. And as always, go Cubs.